just like I had This is the Bomber accident. Podcast with CFL Hall of Famer and my broadcast partner, Doug Brown. Had to piggyback him, grab onto his waist as he pulled him kind of like a tractor pull there for a couple yards. And you can play it safe. You don't have to take these risks and just nickel and dime your way down the field. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at CJOB.com. It is the Blue Bomber Podcast. I'm Greg Mackling with Doug Brown. This week, we'll take a look at the Blue Bombers. Yeah, they snapped that four-game losing streak. We'll find out if that's going to be enough momentum to carry them through to this weekend's game against Edmonton. Matt Nichols, back to his old self, but... Is that enough? Is that going to be enough for the Bombers to carry on some momentum through the rest of the season? Some serious injuries. How serious are they? We don't know, but we'll explore life without Andrew Harris, Nick Densky, and Adam Beghill. Johnny Manziel. Was he Johnny Football or was he Johnny Goofball last Friday night at IGF? And a variety of thoughts on a variety of other things as we make our way through this edition of the Blue Bomber Podcast. Don't forget to share, download, subscribe the Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. Apple, iTunes, Curious Podcasts, everywhere quality podcasts are found. And don't forget to rate us. All right, Doug, let's start with the Blue Bombers ending their four-game losing streak at IGF. What does it mean, 31-14 victory over Montreal? Yeah, I really think the way it unfolded, it's a perfect scenario. It's almost like a boxer mentality. You've got a boxer. You're the manager. He loses four fights in a row. Sometimes, some of them he got knocked out. Some of them were decisions, whatever. Some of them came down to the ninth and final round. But he lost four fights in a row. So you're the manager, and this is the perfect scenario unfolding. You're like, well, what do we got to do to restore this guy's confidence? Who do, You got to get him a tin can. You got to get him a tomato can lined up on the field. Get his confidence back, right? You're managing a fighter. You need an opponent where everything's going to work, where he's going to forget about those losses, and he's really going to buy into what he accomplishes on the field. And, you know, serve up Montreal Alouettes, coming to town, worst football team in the Canadian Football League, uh, a quarterback only starting, what, his third game in, in the in Canadian football and everything worked pretty well and, and it looked to be like they got their mojo back so it's a first step it doesn't mean you know no one's saying they're the top ranked team in the CFL anymore um, but it keeps them relevant you know and it keeps you interested now in to see what can they do can they go into Edmonton a place they've played very well before a place where Matt Nichols started a seven game streak at some point a place where they're very confident a place where Edmonton is losing football games right now it it piques your interest now now you're curious about this football team they've been talking all the time hey we just need to go on a streak we're better than this record you got your first win you got your confidence builder back you got your tomato soup can that you pummeled okay now you got to step up though in competition and, and you're going to some serious welterweights here so their next two competitors Edmonton Ottawa went at it on Saturday the CFL dubbed it Super Saturday three games this past weekend on the day before NFL Sunday and the Eskimos went into Ottawa the Bombers play at Ottawa on the Friday night of Thanksgiving long weekend and uh, walked out with a 28-15 loss at the hands of the Red Blacks. So Edmonton struggling a little bit. Uh, Ricky Ray, Ricky Ray, Mike Riley okay. and the Eskimos offense really has been struggling five of the last six games and their struggles continued in Ottawa on Friday night. How do the how do the how do the Bombers approach this? 
Well, I think there are definitely different. Uh, I think it's well documented that the Edmonton Eskimos are a different football team on the road. They're nowhere near as, as strong or successful as they've been uh, if you compare their road record to their home record and, and what they're capable of doing. So, But, you know, any team coached by, by Moss and with Riley at your quarterback and, you know, coming off a loss, I think they're obviously more dangerous than they are when they're, you know, trumped up off wins. So it's going to be a tough scenario. Um, you can be sure that the Edmontonescos will be looking to respond and rebound from that loss. Disappointing, very disappointing. And, you know, you have a proud organization with a bunch of professionals on it like they do with the Eskimos. And, you know, it's not going to be easy to go in there and take one away from them, you know, especially when they're going to want to make amends for their performance. So that's the, that's the trick part of this next step up and evolution in the schedule for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. BC Lions also winning this past weekend. A big win against Hamilton. So the Bombers move to 6-7. and seven, Still a game behind the BC Lions in the standings. They are tied points-wise, but the Lions have played one fewer game. Bombers two points behind the Eskimos, so that makes that game even bigger in terms of the standings. Saturday kickoff at 6 o'clock Commonwealth Stadium. And you mentioned Matt Nichols, the fact that he started his career with the Edmonton Eskimos. He got his first official start as a Winnipeg Blue Bomber in that stadium and, and broke a, a decades-long losing streak for the organization in Edmonton. Looked pretty good last Friday night. 18 of 25, 256 yards, one touchdown, maybe maybe more importantly, zero interceptions. Yeah, it's funny. In the, the pregame show with Bob Irving, we talked about, you know, we missed the old Matt Nichols. We're like, well, what, define, let's talk about that old Matt Nichols. And we were literally like, oh, it's seven 17 for 22 and 250 yards passing, two touchdowns and zero picks. And, you know, he pretty much got bang on that stat line. And you're like, why do you miss that? What is comforting about that for you? And for me, the biggest change in the game was he took sacks. And I couldn't be happier. You're like, why would you be happier about a quarterback getting sacked? And because that's not in his game. That's out of his wheelhouse to be under pressure, to be getting sacked, and to try and do something with the... I mean, you even look at Johnny Menzel in that game. The one time he was getting sacked, he tried to do something with it. Should have been a touchdown were, were it not for that penalty that happened. So I actually... You were sitting up there calling the game, and I'm like, oh, he took a sack. Thank God. He didn't try and do something terrible with the football. He didn't try to force it downfield. It trying to make a play where there was nothing there so he was returning to ball security first and foremost and they only won i believe in this game it was one nothing right they were plus one on the turnover battle but this team's undefeated when they win the turnover battle people are like big deal was only plus doesn't matter the winnipeg blue bombers when they win the turnover game they win the football game. When they lose it, they lose the football game. It is as cut and dry as that is. And uh, yeah, it was nice to see Nichols, like I say, go out against, obviously it's not the best defense in the CFL, but he made some nice throws. He was smart. Uh, He made some nice throws down the field and he ate the football when he had to. And he didn't cost the team. He put them in situations and positions to score. He scored some points. He didn't light it up by any way shape or form he didn't throw for 500 yards but he didn't cost the football team and that is the role that they need him on this on this team and and that's the role he performed the only concern i really had out of that performance on friday night doug is this the blue bombers were up 20 to 6 at halftime 
Montreal goes in, and we've discussed this, how the Blue Bombers in that losing streak and in the early part of the season, if they had just managed to do in the second half what they'd done in the first half, would be in a whole different place. And once again, my opinion, I'll throw it at you, it felt as though Montreal made better adjustments at halftime than the Blue Bombers did. The Blue Bomber offense, very ineffective in the third quarter in particular, and Montreal came out, and John Manzel, in my opinion, and let's dovetail that into a conversation about Manzel, looked much more effective in that second half than he did in the first half. So you want to talk? You want me to talk about adjustments or Manzel first? Both. Okay. <laughs> like, how did the how did how well, did the I'll lack of right. how about this? How did the lack of adjustments manifest uh-huh. themselves? In my opinion, in terms of the Bomber team that only scored one point in the third quarter, and Montreal scored seven points in that third quarter, and Manzel looked like a completely different player between the first half and the second half. Would you agree with those assertions? I, I almost think it's situational. I think the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, if you actually look. Uh, if you isolate a half of football as an individual game, they're unbelievable in first halves. Their record right now, it'd be far in a, what have they played, uh, 13 games right now? Yeah. So they would be like 10 and three if the game stopped at halftime. Okay. And so they're proactive going into the game in the sense that they do film study and they create a game plan and they attack what they perceive are as weaknesses and vulnerabilities and they put new schemes together and they use guys running different routes and different motions and things teams haven't seen before and so they're winning at halftime so situationally why you're winning you know so now you're you're reactive for the second half right in the first half of the game you're proactive because you're about to have a game plan inserted against this team and they're great at that but what they're not great at is when they're front running and when they're winning and they're leading they're not really great we're like well what are we going to do why are we doing something different in the second half because we're winning the football game right now so it's really hard for people to be like hey let's change it up now and you're like what but we're up 20 to 6 why we, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know it what you're saying. Defies, it almost defies logic to a certain yeah, extent to yeah. change anything when you're ahead. Exactly. So <laughs> I don't really fault them for that. And usually by the fourth, they snap out of it. But you're right. Yeah, I mean, a third quarter is not great. And uh, so what we're talking about, Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel, we're, I thought he looked like two different quarterbacks, quite frankly. It was it was an adventure. Anytime he dropped back to pass <laughs> in that first half. And then in the second half, he looked a lot more comfortable. He completed a few more passes. His stat line wasn't much different than Matt Nichols, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. 18 to 25, 72%. Passing efficiency, 212 yards. It was the one interception near the end of the game that sealed the deal. Marcus Sales with that interception that really uh, was the nail in the coffin for the Alouettes. But I thought Johnny Johnny Manziel really answered the bell in that second half after uh, getting sacked a few times. He, like you mentioned, he had a fumble in the end zone that was overturned by a, a penalty. And he also fumbled another ball that he happened to recover himself. So, what do you think? Did he did, did was there a change there? Did he grow over halftime or what? I think any statement you're going to make about Johnny Menzel right now, you have to qualify with the fact that he's played three games in the CFL, right? Okay, and things are changing. Uh, but I wrote a column about him today in the sense that I think his entire value. Uh, I think he's supremely athletic. I think he's 
fantastically skilled i think the way he accelerates is is unparalleled i think he's got an uncanny an elusive uh, an uncanny ability to be elusive um i think he's got fantastic footwork i think he's one of the probably the best athlete when it comes to quarterbacks in the Canadian football league but i don't think he's the best quarterback okay i think so much of his game is based on improv theater is based on the gimmick of scrambling and extending plays and that's a great skill set to have but it has to augment what you do in the pocket and for me every evaluation of a quarterback starts with can you make all the throws do you have a cannon for an arm how accurate are you how many different ways can you throw you can you throw a touch pass can you throw a, a hard ball a fastball can you drop one in over someone's shoulder can you throw a guy open can you make a throw where only your receiver can catch it can you do all these things and for me he's an average pocket passer i mean he, he throws it pretty well he's pretty accurate he doesn't have a cannon he can't make I mean, we don't know right now if he's still adjusting to throwing in these kind of stadiums and this kind of weather and adjusting to these kind of fields. But when he threw that ball to Darius Bowman, who had pretty much posted up on the sideline, I mean, that thing was in the air for eternity, right? It was just hanging up there. You're talking on the sales interception. Yeah, and I mean, you could have made your break walking downhill and pick that one off, undercutting that throw. Yet earlier in the game, you made comment about how, I think it was even in the in the fourth quarter, how Manziel had made a pass before the receiver had made their break on their pattern. So there are flashes of what you need to see in terms of a quarterback who can perform in this league long term. Yeah, I just, you know, for me, he's a first round NFL draft pick and guys we've seen so many guys come here and I don't think it's the same story for him but one of the risks you run when you come to Canada into the CFL to resurrect your you know high profile NFL career one of the risks you run is guess what it doesn't always work sometimes you actually get exposed and some shortcomings people in the National Football League didn't even realize you had are put on display and you know he could be a guy that you know, based on what we're seeing right now, he doesn't really belong in the National Football League to tell you the truth from what we've seen from him as a pocket passer. We don't know if he's capable of switching a gear and developing and getting better. But when the strength of your game is running around and uh, taking off a lot and scrambling a lot, that that catches up with you. You you catch shots that way. What happened to him in Ottawa against the Ottawa Red Blacks when he got concussed? You get exposed a heck of a lot more. You have to pick your moments. Being a scrambler, being a run around improv theater guy, that's supposed to augment what you do in the pocket, right? Granted, with the Montreal offensive line, he doesn't have much of a pocket, so he's kind of forced to get out of there. But that's a that's a short lifespan as a quarterback. That's not when supposed to you be. Are yeah. That's not supposed to be your primary skill. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, you're not supposed to do that every down. Right. It's like, you know, every third drive. Yeah. Maybe you scramble out of the pocket, you run for a first down or, or you extend a play. And the, defense is, the defense is supposed to go, oh yeah, he can do that. Not be, not, not be prepped for it on every play. not every snap. You're like, okay, well this play is shot because I already got pressure in my face. And I got to do this. There's no lifespan. There's no longevity as a, as a quarterback if you are forced to play that way. So two things have to happen. They have to protect him a hell of a lot more. I love their running back, by the way. They have to Stroman. protect him. Yeah, yeah, looks good. They have to good. protect him a hell of a lot more. They have to get better receivers, and then he has to improve 
his play inside the pocket because he's gonna he's gonna get killed otherwise. If there's one thing this past week and a bit has has proven with regard to Johnny Menzel, people love to discuss him. People love to talk about him. The fans are fascinated. The media is fascinated by him because I think half the pregame show on Friday night was about Johnny Manziel and what he might do. And here we are four days later talking about Johnny Manziel and what he might do long term. Blue Bombers, this win was huge to get off the schneid, as they say, but it didn't come without a cost. Andrew Harris left the game before halftime, did not return. Nick Dembski, similar situation. And Adam Beghill, an injury that looks as though Based on what we saw on Friday night, could be fairly serious forearm, shoulder, elbow injury. We don't know as we're speaking right now. But to be without two of three of those guys, maybe even to be without one of them, is a big deal on their own, Doug? Yeah, I mean, obviously there's no disclosure right now in terms of how serious these things are. I honestly think Andrew Harris is going to be fine. I'm a little bit more worried about Dembski and Big Hill right now. But yeah, you can't go in Edmonton uh, going 0 for 3 with those guys. So you need you need at least Andrew Harris on your roster, and you hope you hope to have a big hill as well. I'm not saying they can play well. Obviously, Dembski's a big part of this offense, but you got to have two out of three. Got to have two out of three. You can't go one for. Th- I mean, technically, if if Harris has a monster game. I don't know who's going to step up to replace Dembski. Maybe they shuffle the roster. Maybe Flanders does something. I don't know how they would accommodate or compensate for his absence. And that's because of the passport, right? That's the birth certificate issue with uh, Flanders for those saying, oh, they just slides Flanders in for Dembski. Well, hold on. Don't forget, Nick Dembski is a Canadian. So that that throws a whole other wrench into that scenario. But we're just, we're decreasing the probabilities of victories the more of them that are missing uh, that 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 field trip out to Edmonton uh, you, absolute minimum Harris has to go Harris doesn't go Ugh, I don't like their I don't like winning this game uh, with Keenan LaFrance exclusively at tailback and this receiving core Harris doesn't go I don't like it at all and uh, you know if more than Dembski and or Big Hill. If those guys are both missing the trip and, and Harris goes, it's still, that's a tough scenario. That's a lot of talent. That's a lot of guys they, this football team relies on. This is a leader of your defense. Two of your most versatile and explosive guys offensively. You got to get two out of three out there if you want to uh, be competitive in that football game in my mind. That's quite a trio. Yes. Yeah. It's a pretty, pretty talented group <laughs> yeah, there. Pretty talented yeah. group. Big E looks good. The other two were... Um, quite hopeful in talking to the guys they're all they all seem uh, pretty confident fair to say none of them are of a concern long term yeah no no concern long term okay so it's just a matter of whether they can go on saturday in edmonton yeah i guess i once again i i'm pretty hopeful there they've they've responded the same and it just is a matter of time to to make that determination and once again we'll always err on the side of of what's best and safest for the player Kevin Fogg and Maurice Leggett out of the lineup on Friday night. Leggett, a return for Leggett and maybe a combination of Ian Wild. Maybe they can maybe they can band-aid together a linebacking core that that might be able to do a job against the Eskimos on, on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, your, your biggest hope is just, you know, I hope those guys are in the cold tub and, and doing the kind of uh, rehabilitation things that Alan Couture is putting them through because these are the three vital cocks to your football team uh, can't 
obviously football teams half do overcome these scenarios and move on and injury situations are inevitable in football but this is a very important game for this team and and you, you got to have two of those three guys show up and play in that game Got to ask you about two newcomers to the Blue Bombers, Craig Rowe, free agent signing from BC, who seems to be finding his track, and Kenbrell Tompkins, the receiver, who seems to be coming an integral part of the Blue Bomber offense. Why don't we start with Tompkins? I mean, how often do you see a guy who gets carted off? Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> on a stretcher, gets taken to hospital uh, during the Banjo Bowl, takes a cab back to IGF in full equipment and wants to go back in the game. That tells you a l- just a little bit about this young man's character. That's someone that enjoys what they do for a living. You know what I'm saying? It's, uh, yeah, we would, whereas you and I would take as much work off as possible at any given chance or opportunity. What are you saying, And Doug totally Brown? milk it and play it out as long as we can in any you know any one of the jobs I have I will fully exploit some sort of medical situation to its fullest until they're asking me for some follow up or something like that that's a guy that likes his job but the thing I like about Tompkins the best he attacks the football uh, he's so strong on the football. You're like, well, what does that mean, attacking the football? He's a guy, the pass is coming, he goes and gets it. He goes towards it. Even you know, it's at his, at his high, the world. highest point, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, the easiest thing to do in, in football is to wait for football to get to you. Right. hard thing to do is to increase that velocity when you go get it as well. And, you know, any pass, he attacks the football. He's a big guy. Uh, he's explosive. His initial, after he secures the ball... He's got a good burst. He's got a good, you know, once he secures it, you're going to get something positive out of that as well. And uh, he's been able to make, uh, he's got a good catch radius. He's been able to make a whole bunch of different types, which shows you that he's not a one-dimensional pass catcher, like just a possession guy or just a speed guy, a home run hitter guy. He can do whatever you want. He can make difficult things over the middle. Um, He has some speed. Uh, He can run great, precise routes. So I do like his versatility. Craig Craig Rowe, you know, I I wasn't really sold on. Um, I think he had a great game. Uh, I think uh, hopefully this is him, uh, uh, you know, turning a page and and continually hopefully he can build off this game i mean it's pretty it's pretty hard to sack johnny menzel three times in a game I mean, that's a elusive quarterback goes to show you though if you're going to get uh be able to bring down a guy like menzel you can tell that it's a credit to the defensive line because other guys are in there too if one guy breaks three on manzel you're never going to get him one-on-one it has to be a pocket collapsing so for craig rowe i think he would uh, admit this as well himself for him to get three sacks on manzel the entire defensive line has to be collapsing the pocket because Menzel has to have nowhere to go. If only one guy is getting there, he's gone. He's go- he's a ghost, right? So I think that is representative of how well the defensive line played, how bad the Alouette offensive line is. But, you know, it could be a breakthrough gra- uh, game for, for Craig Rowe in his time with Winnipeg on the defensive line. So those are some pretty uh, tasty numbers he put up, and, and you hope he can build off that going into Edmonton. It was quite evident that he was just, you know, his his effort level was was very high. He chased Menzel to the sideline and cut him off on a. It was a terrific play. You know, every step he made was correct and efficient, and that allowed him to to redirect and 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 cut Menzel off for a sack, which you know he ran out of bounds, but still was a sack because he forced him behind line of scrimmage. Uh, he made a terrific redirect play where he tackled, uh, I believe it was the. 
believe it was their running back who'd, who'd sort of slipped through and he got him from behind about five or six yards downfield, but there was still a lot of open space and he clipped his heel and got him down one of his seven tackles. So yeah, it was, uh, it was certainly impressive to watch. Very happy for him. You know, it's, it's nice when a guy, when a guy gets a game like that. All right, so this week we have BC and Hamilton, Winnipeg and Edmonton, Saskatchewan at Montreal. Toronto and Calgary has zero impact on the standings in terms of the Blue Bombers, except perhaps in the crossover scenario. So we'll, we'll put that aside for now. Uh, the Blue Bombers really need Hamilton to beat British Columbia, and of course they have to take care of their own business. And miracle of miracles, Saskatchewan uh, only lost to Toronto by one point. They Toronto missed a field goal, or Saskatchewan might be reelable, if that's actually a word. Uh, Montreal hosting Saskatchewan. You know the Owls are good for one surprise win at home this year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that happens this weekend, but we move on. National Football League, 635 days between victories for the Cleveland Browns. Baker Mayfield, I know this isn't on the list, but i got to tell you, he looks an awful lot like Johnny Manziel, who we just spent an awful lot of time taking in terms of his stature, his escapability. But it is the big difference in my mind is how they can throw a ball downfield because uh, Mayfield's got a little bit of an arm on him. How long has Mayfield been in the NFL for? Yeah, one game. Exactly. Yep. Um, for in my estimation, he dances too much for a guy that's happy feet. His, no, he. Like, did you see him before the game? There was a clip of him. Oh, like, oh you mean the actual dancing, yeah. the yeah, off-field no, stuff? Yeah, yeah. Don't well, do that as a rookie. You know what? But you, you but be from, seen, coming from a guy who can't be dance seen and at not all, heard. you know, be seen, not heard. Don't all draw right. any extra attention to yourself mm-hmm, other mm-hmm. than what you're doing on the football field. Okay, exclusively. That's it. You haven't arrived yet. You're okay. one game in. Clay Matthews, National Football League, terrible. Green it's Bay terrible. Packers. Playing a Washington football team whose uh, nickname I will not use. Uh, Clay Matthews gets flagged. Was it twice yesterday well, for roughing the passer? Game, first three games of the year, Clay Matthews has found that he he his ability to sack the quarterback is not no longer fitting into the NFL's uh, acceptable parameters and definition of what you're allowed to do to a, to a pivot. So you can't like, it's ridiculous. I've watched every, well, the last two games, I saw both of the ones that he was flagged for unnecessary roughness against the quarterback. And all I can tell you is the people that are making these rules about when you're sacking a guy and then you can't put all your weight, they've obviously never done this before. It is the kind of, speed and explosion and violence it takes to beat an offensive lineman in the National Football League to get to the quarterback and then to make sure you're hitting him in the the safety window which is below the shoulders and above the waist and that your helmet is to the side and now it's you, you know you can't land on him like your weight can't be like it's absolutely a disconnect between the reality of the game of football and a bunch of idiots that have no idea what they're talking about and just want to make sure that the quarterbacks continue to sell their product so they can make billions of dollars it's just an owner sitting up there that is, doesn't even know anything about football that's like oh my god do whatever you can to make sure that my money maker that my quarterback gets you know pillows put under his head before he gets sacked and taken to the turf it is it is absurd what is happening in the previously 
the NFL didn't know what a catch was. Now they don't know. Nobody knows how you're allowed to sack a quarterback. You might as well just eliminate that play. Just tag him. Yes. Tag him on his buttocks, okay? <laughs> Somebody- and that, that is the equivalent. As soon as you slap his ass, that is where the sack is. I don't know if we're allowed to say that on radio. Yeah, but that's, well, we're not that's on radio. How, we're not on that's radio. That's how absurd it's gotten. Well, you know, and here's the thing. I, you must have seen a couple of the videos that I did on Twitter. One was uh, a demonstration of how the NFL would like you to sack a quarterback, and that was basically to put a pillow under his head, gently lie him down, and read him a bedtime story. And the other suggestion that I saw on Twitter, very similar to yours, uh, you know, basically touch football, uh, is why not just put flags on the quarterbacks, and then that way you don't have to worry about it. Wouldn't have saved Jimmy Garoppolo, though. Well, yeah, I mean, if it's up to the NFL, they just don't want you sacking the quarterbacks anyways. Let's just take defense out of the equation entirely, National Football League, and like I said, it's people that are disconnected from the game that make all these decisions and it's until you know there's such an uproar from people saying yo you're ruining the game until that evidence is presented to them then maybe there'll be some sort of remediation here or something like that easy for the retired guy to say they're they're trying to keep players safe doug brown don't you know that it's under the guys of play uh, guys that's what that's what the taking out the helmet to helmet contact it's still football after that Get rid of the helmets. <laughs> and then Get we'll, rid we'll of just the call it rugby. Pads. We'll just call it rugby. Maybe, okay. maybe, maybe just call. Okay, we have to talk about Tiger Woods real quick. What were your thoughts on Sunday afternoon as Tiger Woods won his 80th event on the PGA Tour? Uh, come back five years between victories. Were you happy for the guy? Uh, how do you feel about Tiger Woods and his comeback? I just think it's the greatest comeback of all time because, I mean, the number of media pundits out there were like never you know how many times I heard never win another I can't golf believe, tournament I can't believe anybody alone. would say that about but he came arguably back one so of the many three times. best golfers of all time but he literally had like nine comebacks he had so many surgeries and he kept getting worse and it wasn't even like he like he was a shadow he was literally a shadow of his former self but until okay? this guy was, says I'm done yeah. until he actually retired I can't believe anybody was prepared to bet against him just to me it's the greatest comeback of all time he fused now okay and it was another about surgery his back. his back and yet he's figured it out now and it was just a matter it's the best example and display of perseverance i think and uh, uh an obsession with your craft and you know not ever not being denied i think it is the, the best example that you've ever seen i think it's the best comeback imaginable I just hope he can continue this and, and go on a tear. And it's the greatest thing for the game of golf because it brings in people that don't watch golf, like myself. All of a sudden, we watch golf because we want to see this. Just something about watching him play, it's different. It, it changes the game for the spectator. And uh, I think it's a fantastic story. What do you say to people who have a hard time separating Tiger Woods? It's not off field, but for our terminology here off field quote unquote antics and have a difficult time they want to cheer for him but there is just that little bit of them or maybe it's most of them that says yeah but you know what he's an asshole off the (laughs) golf course and I cannot cheer for this guy you know what all I can say is there's a lot of assholes out there because not everyone gets their lives put under that microscope Mm -hmm. and that magnifying glass and not 
you know, your average sporting fan spectator does not have every move of his, you know, marriage or life or whatever followed and scrutinized and so on and so forth. So I just, I mean, to me, these are, these are two separate things. You know, I, I don't, I guess to a point you don't want to uh, be intrigued or support or you don't watch an athlete is not on parallel with what your standards are for, Mm -hmm. you know, your morality clause or whatever it is. Uh, But, you know, when possible, when it's uh, things that are very commonplace and I don't know, I try to separate my sports from ethics and judgment and such as long as it's not you criminal know, activity well is to, that where, that's to a certain degree right yes. and that's where you have to i can live with it well i don't even want to say there are some i don't know everyone has their own um high ground that we choose to stand on and cast shame and judgment on other people um but it's funny how that changes once the magnifying glass turns on to yourself yeah so. without question i always ask the question doug uh could your life uh, survive a forensic audit yes of, of your social media i wasn't asking you to answer but the question has to no, be I meant, asked i mean yes that's a good my life certainly right? could not no. right i know mine certainly couldn't and i don't i think you'd be very being very dishonest if you think your life could and so we'll leave it there blue bombers edmonton Coming up on Saturday, Blue Bombers coming home with a victory. They're coming back 500, Doug? Oh, man. I need to know more about the injury situation before I I, I put my neck out like that. Uh, If they get two of those three guys playing... They've got a chance. they got a chance. That's all I'm going to say. I agree with you wholeheartedly. We'll see you in seven days. The Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. That is... Wow. That's fantastic. I like that. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at cjob.com. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.